All right. We didn't really start yet, though. So, Okay. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome, welcome. We are in the process of our series on the guide to Jewish daily living. And we spent the past few sessions talking about waking up in the morning. Start out by saying thank you for being alive. Actually, the first halacha, the first law was wake up, wake up. And that's significant because you matter. Your life matters. You didn't die last night, thank God, because you're here for a reason. Today is a day that's never been here before, and you have something you can do that you've never done that's never been done in history. That's every day of our life. So the first thing we do is we say thank you. Then we talked about washing our hands last week. We talked about the idea of modesty a little bit, getting dressed with intention, right hand first, then the left to focus on that the goal of my day is kindness, is to focus on kindness, emphasizing kindness over strength and boundaries. And then we mentioned that the whole focal point of the morning is to get us to the morning prayers. And I want to talk a little bit about the morning prayers today in a little more depth and significance of the morning prayer service. This is really the main prayer of the day. Does anyone know how many times a day we pray in Judaism? Three times a day. So it's actually not exactly correct. There are three set prayers a day. Two of them are mandatory. The third is optional. Morning prayer, mandatory. And that's, the morning prayer is a lot longer than the other prayers. The morning prayer is about an hour long. Then we have mincha, that's called shachris in Hebrew. Then we have mincha, which is the afternoon prayer, which is said from a little after um, the solar noon. So a little, little after high noon, half hour after high noon, until around sunset time, either right before sunset or a little bit after sunset, depending on the customs. And then there's, that's called mincha. And then there's something called mariv or arvit, which is the evening prayer. And the evening prayer is actually, technically speaking, optional, but Jewish people accept it upon themselves to do it. And now we all do it. But uh, typically, um, those are the three prayers of the day. And Typically speaking, both men and women pray three times a day, uh, two times a day. Not all women pray the third prayer because it is essentially optional, and women didn't all accept it upon themselves as mandatory, but they are all beneficial for anyone who can. Um, and I want to kind of get into the mechanics of prayer and go through like the order and see how we can take a message from the prayer service. That could be, as we're talking, uh, we've been mentioning the whole time, that the goal of this series is that we can take whatever inspires us and begin to put it into practice in our life. So we asked a few questions last week about how prayer works. Does anyone want to remember any of the questions? What's paradoxical about prayer? Great. Yeah. Like God knows exactly what's good for us and he's capable of giving us whatever is good for us and whatever we need. So why do we have to ask for stuff? Why do we have to ask God for what we need? Doesn't he know? And on top of that, 
right? What if we're not supposed to get something? What if it's not good for us? Do we want it anyway? Or what if God says that, no, you can't have it. Can we change God's mind just because we asked? So those are three questions we mentioned last week. And then another meta question is prayer is supposed to be this very spiritual experience. So why are we asking for stuff at all? Shouldn't we just be maybe just thanking God or just meditating on the totality of existence or the oneness of existence or the awesomeness of God? Why are we like asking for like our seemingly petty needs? You need a, you need a raise, you want a new car. What's that all about? Okay, so these are some of the global questions and then I wanna go into the mechanics of prayer. So does anyone want to attempt an answer to some of these questions? What's the purpose of prayer? So let's begin by looking at the word for prayer in Hebrew. Does anyone know how to say prayer in Hebrew? The word prayer, yeah? Lehit Palel, Lehit Palel, Lital, are you Israeli? Okay, so can you tell us anything? The verb, Lehit Palel, which turns into the noun tefillah, as David posted. Can you tell us something unique about the verb, Lehit Palel, Lital? What kind of verb is it? No? Okay, it, it's actually it's actually even more unique. It means the the word lehit palel comes from the verb the 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 root three letter root. Every Hebrew verb has a three letter root, and it puts it's put into different contexts. The verb root of hit palel comes from the three letter word palal, pe lamed lamed, which means to judge. To judge. Now that sounds surprising, right? And there are other explanations of what tefillah means. I'll tell you another one in a second. What's unique about lehit palel is that it's actually a reflexive verb. Reflexive means it's going back on yourself. For example, the word in Hebrew to be alone is boded. The word hit badedut means to be alone with yourself. So the the verb palel means to judge. Lehit palel means to judge yourself. It's reflective. Reflexive. So what does prayer have to do with judging yourself? Excellent. What could you learn about what you're asking?
Excellent. Amazing. Lital just suggested that there's something introspective about prayer, that you have to examine your motives of what you really want and why you want it. And if you really need it, well, is it really good for you? Before you pray for something, you have to really go deep within and figure out, is it is this really something that's going to be for the good of myself and for the world, right? Is God going to give me something if it's not good? If it's not good for me, if it's not part of the master plan for existence, should I really be asking for it? There's there's a famous um, saying that that right. You ever heard the statement that there's no atheist in a foxhole, right? If a person's in in war and they're being shot at, everyone's praying. Prayer is a natural mechanism when people need something and there's no one else to turn to. It's natural by nature we call out for help. Just like a baby cries out for their mother or their father, even if there's no one listening, the baby instinctually knows to cry. So too, as human beings, we instinctually call out for help. So even if a person says they're an atheist, when push comes to shove, they call out for help. And they say that an ironic thing, and the Talmud says this is actually like a really bad thing, but a thief who is on his way to rob someone's house Praise to God, please God, let me not get caught. Right? And it's ironic because God doesn't want you stealing in the first place. But on the other hand, it's uh it's something instinctual, but you can't really pray to be that you don't get caught when you're stealing because that's axiomatically a contradiction. So when you pray, you have to get in touch with your deepest deepest desires. And we're going to touch on that a little deeper in one second. Another explanation of the word to pray comes from the uh, Hebrew word petaltel, um, which means like to twist. And we learn this from the, the, the name Naphtali, which is one of the names of the 12 tribes. And it means to basically to, to wrestle or to become interconnected. So in that sense, prayer is the is the act of connecting to God or based on what we just said that the word is reflexive it means to connect to who just like we said judge yourself so it means to connect to yourself that prayer is a process of becoming connected to your deepest self so how does that work so if you think about it when we ask for something most of the things that we want are for a reason. Prayer is the process of getting to the depths of why I really want what I want. And if you go deep enough to the very depth of what you want, you get in touch with a part of your soul that wants something for no reason at all. And Kabbalah teaches us that the deepest part of who we are is our desire. If you want to really know who a person is, find out what they really want in life. When you get in touch with your deepest desires, that reveals your essence, what you really want in life. I'll show you as an, as an example. Um, let's take someone who wants, and I could do this on any one of you if you want. Does anyone want to be a guinea pig? All right. Issa, what's something that you really want right now in your life? It could be it could be personal or it could just be something really shallow. Uh, 
like a new car. Let's start with a shallow thing. Choose a shallow thing. Money. More time and more money. <laughs> wow, more time. Okay, so let me ask you a question. Stay unmuted. So let's say we just do the money one just for sake of uh, simplicity. Ah, oh, wow. Is this a family day? Oh, Mother's Day, of course. Hi, family. Wow, it's so nice of you to take time out of your schedule. <laughs> All right, so let what did she say? More pizza. More time with mom. That's it. More time with mom. <laughs> more time with family. But but let, let's just take the example. You said more money. Okay, let's just do more money. It's the easiest one to see this example, okay? Because I think everyone can agree more money would not be a bad thing, okay? But if you're going to ask God for more money, you have to be able to justify it, okay? You have to be able to justify it. You know, the, the, um, the Baal Shem Tov, the founder of the Hasidic movement, says if you want to get any prayer answered, you know what you have to do? Let's say you're going to your boss and you're asking for a raise or for a new car. How can you make sure, how can you guarantee that your boss is going to buy you the new car or give you that raise? Okay, you can work hard for it, but not guaranteed he's going to give it, right? How can I pr promise you the boss is for sure going to give you that raise or that new car, company car? <laughs> okay, how do I get him to write it? How do I prove? This is not the – Issa, we'll come back – Issa, we'll come back to you in a second. This is for everyone. How do you guarantee the boss is going to give you that raise or that new car? Prove yourself how? What do you have to prove to the boss? Guarantee that he's going to say yes if you can prove this to him or her. If you make the money, what do you mean? Excellent. Well, what do you have to tell them about the car? What does that have to do with the car? Get the boss to buy you a new car. Okay. Okay. How can I promise? Listen, I'm going to go to my boss and I'm going to tell him something that's going to make him automatically want to buy my car. What do I have to tell him? That if I had that new car, what would that do for the company? I'd be a more productive employee. I'd make more sales. I'd get to work earlier. If you can prove to the boss that what you want is good for the overall company, so there's no reason why you're not going to get it. So that's the secret of getting your prayers answered, is figure out why what you want is good for the boss. Okay? So let's go back to Isa. Okay? So... You want more money. So now this is the process of prayer. Go inside and figure out why you want more money. So let's go step by step, okay? Just step by step. If you had more money, then what? More freedom with your time. Great. And if you had more freedom with your time, then what? What would you do with your time? Hang out with your family more. Okay. And if you hang, hung out with your family more, what would that give you? 
More happiness. Great. And if you had more happiness, why would that be good? More fulfilling life. Okay. And if and Isa, if you had a more fulfilling life, what would what would that do for you or the world? Would you be more productive or something else? If you if you had more fulfillment in your life, then what would you be? This is a hard question. So what would that give you? What would it give you if you had more fulfillment in your life? Or what would you do then? Or what would you be then? Oh, less stress, less worry. And if you had less stress and less worry in your life, then what? Okay, how would you interact with people? More kindness. Okay, and... And if, if you interacted with people with more kindness, then what would that give you? <laughs> and if you had a good heart, then what would you what would you be? Who would you be if you had a good heart? Better person. And if you were a better person, what what would you do? <laughs> okay guys do you get the idea <laughs> do you get the idea how deep you can go and there's many more layers everyone give it up for for isa and her family for participating in that um the deeper you go the more you get to a place where there is no answer at the final level the answer is because then i would be who i'm supposed to be then I would be connected to oneness. And I find that everyone at the deepest level, the response is because someone mentioned, then I'll be happy. And when you're happy, then what will you have? Then I'll be free. Then I'll be connected. Then I'll be one. That in the deepest place, we want to be connected to oneness. We want to be connected to the totality of creation, to the creator. I think that's at the root of what we want, the deepest place within us. You see, we have a body and we have a soul. Torah teaches us we're made up of two very different parts. We've talked about this in the past. What does the body want? What's at the driving force behind the desires of the body? Physical desires, physical pleasure, 100%. But there's something even deeper, even more primal. The body lives with a very, very profound fear. Do you know what the body's most afraid of? Dying. The body's afraid of non-existence because the body comes from the material world. 
I went to a funeral today and of one of our students' grand, grandmothers, and the rabbi, a good friend of mine, spoke at the funeral, and he said exactly this, that the body is material, the body goes back to the ground. When you finish your time here, the body goes back to non-existence. The body lives in fear of non-existence. And therefore, the body tries as hard as it can to experience existence by enjoying pleasures. Physical pleasures make the body feel alive because at that moment, the body is experiencing life. And also by being as big as it possibly can. The body has an ego problem because the body knows that it's made up of just dirt. And so the body wants to knock everyone else down in order to feel big about itself. So essentially the body wants nothing more than to exist, to avoid death and to exist. What does the soul want? Thrive and to better itself, excellent. What about on the highest level though? What does the soul want to return? Excellent, Kana, to return, to return to what? To return to its source, where it came from, to go back to the oneness, to go back to God. So essentially, the body wants nothing more than to exist. By existing, the body wants to exert its physical nature, to become more physical, more powerful, more arrogant. The soul, on the other hand, wants to go back to non-existence, to go melt back into the oneness, which is actually the source of true existence. The body's existence is an illusion because the more the body exists, it's just more dirt. But the soul wants to go back to non-existence, which is the source of true existence. So this, so there's a battle between body and soul. The body wants immediate physical pleasure. The body wants to be, to take up as much space and to exist as much as possible. The soul wants to go back to non-existence to connect to God. That's the root of what the soul wants. So prayer is a process of connecting to your deepest self, your de deepest essence, which wants to connect to the creator. And as you do this process of asking for your needs in prayer, what you're really doing is tapping into why do I really want what I want? Is it good for me? Is it good for the world? Like Issa said, if she had more money, she'd be a happier person. She'd get to spend more time with her family, and then she'd do more good deeds. Or even deeper, she'd be true to who she really is. She'd connect to who she really is. She'd be free. She'd be one. She'd be happy. She'd be, she'd be united with her true essence, with the source. Okay, so that's, that's really what's happening when we pray. Why, why does God want us to pray? He doesn't need our prayer because he wants relationship with us. The fact that we have lacks is an impetus for us to now reach out to the source. Prayer is a meditation in recognizing that God is the source of everything. It's a meditation in understanding why we want what we want, make sure what we want is good for us. And it's a process of changing ourselves to make sure that we really want things for the right reasons. But ultimately, it's a connection to the soul and connection to our source. So biblically speaking, there is a mitzvah to pray. It's, a, it's actually a debate amongst the, the medieval commentaries on the Torah. Maimonides and Nachmanides. One of them says that biblical prayer is once a day. 
Biblically, you're obligated to pray one time a day to talk to God, to ask for something you need one time a day or to say thank you one time a day. According to the other opinion, it is a biblical commandment only when you really need it, when you're in need. It doesn't have to be once a day. It could be whenever it is that you need to, to reach out. The Talmud refers to prayer as duties of the heart, the work, the service of the heart, because it's about exposing the emotional needs and this emotional connection for connection to something greater. We all have a need to connect. One of the most deepest primal needs is to feel loved, is to feel connected, is to feel part of something, is to feel like your life has meaning and purpose. And prayer is about revealing that need and then reaching out and connecting. So we mentioned that, that there are two mandatory prayers a day. Those two prayers, the Talmud teaches us, were instituted rabbinically after the destruction of the temple. That in the temple, there were certain animal sacrifices that were brought every day once in the morning and once in the afternoon. And when we no longer had those sacrifices, we took on upon ourselves to pray twice a day in place of those sacrifices. So I want to ask you now, what is the connection between bringing a goat on an altar and burning it up and prayer? What in the world? What do you think the significance of that animal sacrifice that was brought every single day might be? And how do we tie that into prayer? So it's a very weird thing, the idea of animal sacrifices. We don't relate to it at all. The, the word for animal sacrifices in Hebrew is karbanot, which comes from the Hebrew word karov. Our uh, resident Hebrew linguist, Liat, are you still with us? Does anyone know what the word karov means? Close. The idea is to come close. How does one come close to God taking an animal and burning it on an altar? So let's let's try to think about the significance. Can you mute yourselves, please? What's the significance of taking an animal and burning it? on the altar what's the what do you think the metaphor is there of taking something and burning it up what's the symbolism so it's actually the best symbolism we possibly have for something very unique what happens when you take an animal and you put it in fire what happens to the remember we said that everything's made up of a physical stuff material stuff right an animal is made up of dirt just like our body is made up of dirt what happens when you put that in fire that's interesting what do you mean Well, let me ask you a question. When you burn that animal, you take something away. You take away its physicality. What happens to that animal? It, it turns to dust, but there also something else happens. There's energy that's released. 
you're losing something, but you're also gaining something. You're taking literally the symbolism of burning something up in fire is that you're taking the physical and you're putting it in, you're turning it into energy. It's literally going up. You're literally causing the physical to rise up into the atmosphere. You're taking physical and you're turning it into energy. That's what happens when you burn something. So the symbolism of burning something on the altar is that you're taking your physical nature. The animal represents us. It represents our physical desires and our physical body, and you're causing it to go back to its spiritual source. You're lifting it up into the next level, into the, en the level of energy. That's literally what's happening when you cause something to, when you burn something. So prayer is the same dynamic. We're taking our physical desires and our physical nature and we're uplifting it. We're causing it to go up to its source. Why do I really want what I want? Is it because I want a bigger car so my body feels more alive? Or is it so that I can connect to my source, to my soul, and I can do more good, and I can connect more to the oneness of all existence? So prayer is the process. The prayer services in the morning and the afternoon are the process of making a sacrifice for God taking something valuable to us, in this case, our time and our energy and our bodily desires and uplifting it, literally lighting it on fire and watching it rise up to a higher dimension. So when we wake up in the morning, we're very animalistic. We're tired. We're not interested in anything spiritual. We want to go back to sleep. The prayer service in the morning is essentially waking ourselves up to what our bigger purpose is in life. So let's just go through the prayer service in the morning. And, and I'll share with you some of the, there's the, the prayer service in the morning is basically broken down into about five sections. And I'll just share with you very quickly what each section is. Some of you may be familiar with the, the morning prayers. Other, other of you who are not, just take the ideas that we're talking about. So the beginning of the prayer service, the very beginning is brachas. Brachas means blessings. We say a series of morning blessings. And I believe that Rabbi Pollock gave you a class on this which essentially goes through various parts of your body and your life, and you give thanks for those parts. We go through and we give thanks for our eyesight. We give thanks for our, the very first blessing we give is thanks for either for our ability to discern between darkness and light, that we actually, we are aware that it's morning. And another explanation is that we're giving thanks for the rooster. Why would we give thanks for the rooster in the morning? What's significant about a rooster? Imagine you're living about 150 years ago. Anyone? What role might the rooster play in the morning for you? Wake you up. We're giving thanks to our alarm clock for the fact that we got out of bed this morning. Then we give thanks for our clothing. We give thanks for our shoes. We give thanks for the fact that our arms and legs work. We give thanks for basically all of the different faculties of ourselves. And then a few more. Thank you for, for the fact that we're Jewish and a couple of other things which are too detailed for right now, but happy to go into them another time. Then we say something called the carbonos, carbonos. 
which is we go through the animal sacrifices and we read through the animal sacrifices that were made in the temple and including um, incense offerings and a number of different things that went on in the temple every day. And the significance there is that we're beginning the service starting with the body. And again, the, 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 the idea of burning those animals and sacrificing those animals was taking our body and offering it up, saying that I have this bot, this animal body that wants to do all sorts of things that are pretty selfish, low level, and not always, not always so positive. And I want to channel that. I want to uplift my animal. So that's the very first section of prayer is focusing on the body. And the Kabbalists explain that the four levels of prayer of the morning prayers have to do with the four different worlds. There are four different spiritual worlds that we exist in. The first is the world of the physical. Then we move up to the next dimension, which corresponds to the part of the soul which connects to the emotions. And then we have something called Pesuka de Zimra, which is basically different psalms and different prayers, which are meant to arouse the emotions. And they focus primarily on the beauty of the world. And we thank God for the beautiful world that we live in. And we think about all the animals in the world and all the, the, the mountains. And we try to arouse our emotions to be excited about life. We've gotten past the body. We've basically sacrificed our body. And now it's time to get our emotions involved. And then we begin the formal uh, part of the morning prayers, which is focuses on the Shema and the blessings of the Shema. And the Kabbalists explain that this corresponds to the third world, which has to do with the intellectual world and the soul, Neshama, what's called Neshama. The first level, there are five levels of soul. The most basic level of soul corresponds to the body, and that's called the Nefesh, and that exists in the blood. The second level of soul corresponds to the emotions. We just talked about that one. That's called the Ruach, the wind that exists in the heart. And now we're in the Neshama, which is in the mind. And this focus, focus of the prayer begins to focus on the, the angels and the spiritual dimensions. And we talk about all the different angels and their purpose and how they connect to God. And we meditate intellectually on the vastness of creation. And then comes the prayer right before the Shema. And that focuses on, despite the fact that God has this vast universe of angels and all the different creatures and all of nature, he chose us above all of that. And that focuses on the uniqueness of the Jewish people. And then we say the Shema, which is a meditation on the oneness of God, that all there is is God. If you have not heard my class on that, then we could do that one again. Or we could do a one-on-one -on -one sometime. But I think I did that with you guys last semester. Um, the Shema prayer essentially declares that all there is is God and that everything is one. And that's a deep meditation on the fact that everything, every experience of the world is just an experience of God. And then finally comes the fourth world, which is called the world of Itzilis, the world of closeness, or the world of emanation. And that's the purely divine world. And that's where God exists in his revealed essence. God's character traits, so to speak. And in that, we do something called the Amidah, the standing silent prayer, where we just talk directly to God. And what's unique about this prayer, this corresponds to the fourth level of our soul, which is 
called the Chaya, which is our life force, where we're all interconnected on that level. And if you notice all the things we ask for, we ask for 19 different things. We ask, we begin by praising God, and then we ask for um, wisdom and health and repentance and and various things. All of these prayers are said in the plural because on this level, we're really not praying for ourselves. We're praying for all of us. We're praying for the entire Jewish people and for the entire world. And then after all of that, there's the coming down from levels where we where the spirituality descends into us. Now, after all the talk about the angels, the final, final thing we do is we recite something called the Kedusha, where we, before, previously we said what the angels say, and then we actually say it ourselves because we're connecting to the angel within ourselves, the highest level within us that wants nothing more than to do God's will. Now, that was all an overview. I apologize if that was over anyone's head. I want to just bring it down to one one point that we could walk away with in our last 30 seconds together. The goal of prayer is to connect to our deepest self, to connect to our true desires, to be a better person, to be a giver, to be at peace with ourselves, to be connected to each other, to be connected to God. The purpose of prayer is to have a few moments a day with your soul, to connect to what your soul really wants. And then we have a fighting chance the rest of the day as we go out to work, we go to school, we go do whatever we have to do with the day to remember what our ultimate goals are for the day. That is the purpose of the morning prayer. Whether you got anything from that whole long explanation, that journey from the body to the soul, the point is, the takeaway is to wake up in the morning, to get out of our selfish body, which cares only about going back to sleep, only about filling our own needs, is hungry, is grumpy, and connect to the soul, which cares about everyone, that cares about the ultimate oneness and the ultimate goodness. If you can have a moment of meditation a day, whether you do that with the formal prayer service or you take a few minutes on your own just to meditate on these ideas, the takeaway is when you connect to your true self, connect to your true values for the day, then you have a chance of now living with those values as you go on into the world. So any questions, happy to take. Thank you, guys.